0: As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation member, FINRA, Columbus, Ohio.
1: What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis
2: This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keane, along with Paul Sweeney. Join us each day for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern from our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen And always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App. Nadia Lovell, what's great about Nadia is her water bottle, which you can see on YouTube, uh, Bloomberg <laughs> Podcast. Nadia, hold up the water bottle. You are hydrating. It was going in there. You see how it's matchy-matchy? Oh, matchy? Look at that. It's matchy-matchy <laughs> with what she's wearing. It's great. She switches every day to the proper bottle. Nadia Lovell is fabulous on having the courage. Well, it is to,
3: Valentine's Day tomorrow. That's
2: yes, very that's good. Perfect. We'll go there. I forgot, Nadia. Thank you.
3: Sending you love.
2: <laughs> and what's great here about Nadia Lovell, she sends us love. On the courage, Paul, to be in the markets.
0: Absolutely. Nadia Lovell, uh, Senior U.S. Equity Strategist, Global Wealth Management at UBS. So, Nadia, we got this inflation print here this morning, a little bit hotter than expected. The market's selling off here, the S&P off about 1.2%. What did you take away from this? And I guess more importantly, what do you think Fed Chairman Jay Powell's going to take away?
3: You know, yes, inflation did come in a little bit hotter than we expected. We were looking for 2.9 on uh, and. A uh, three-seven on core, um, but I don't think that this one data point changed an if The Fed has been hinting for some time that March rate hike was off the table. We have been saying for a few months now that we had expected the first hike to start. Excuse me, the first cut to start in May. Um, and you know, I would say that this does put a make uh, cut at risk, um, just given the strength that we're seeing in the economic data. But I do think that what it does say though that the equity market can take some comfort right in the fact that you are seeing strong economic growth and that's what's probably going to cause delay in in the rate cuts and the fed is on standby at and, at the end of the day with great latitude that if we see any sort of meaningful deterioration in the macro data which there are no signs of that that the fed can adjust policy very quickly i don't think at the end of the day when we have a soft landing in sight, that you know anyone wants this to dip in a recession so we think that the fed We'll do what's needed to adjust monetary policy accordingly, but it probably does push out, um, you know, the, the start of the yeah. cycle or just a little bit.
2: Paul Ian Lingard at BMO Capital Markets, a good yep. friend of the show. He publishes. He says of CPI super core super high and that's what michael oh, mckee okay, does yep. when you get the different service sector inflations they indicated a higher level and that's get where you get to futures from negative 20 to negative yep. 63. nasdaq futures down 1.8 percent.
0: absolutely so we're seeing a market move here and yields higher uh nadia so you know we're about 70 percent away through this earnings period right here how are you what's your takeaway here how's corporate america doing
3: I think corporate America is doing well when you look at the earnings season for the fourth quarter. I mean, companies are beating. We're seeing earnings trending towards 7% growth for the quarter, which is a little bit better than we had expected. You also see some confirmation um, from the commentary uh, from companies of what we're seeing in the macro data, sort of some green shoots in the uh, manufacturing areas of the economy. You're seeing a pickup in M&A activity and capital markets activity. So that's quite encouraging. And I think what's more important though, the full year numbers remain intact um, with the consensus looking for double-digit earnings growth. Um, We're looking for something roughly in line with that. And I think you'll also see confirmation of the strength in technology. We know that tech has been a crowded trade, but these companies are really starting to grow into their valuation. So that's quite encouraging as well.
2: On the equity front, do you we feel restrictive one of the great debates here with the real yield the 10-year real yield out to 2.2.01 uh, it's now pulled back it's 1.98 percent nadia does the inflation adjusted oil in the engine does it begin to gum up and restrict the system
3: i don't think so i mean the consumer still has a lot of excess savings and corporate balance sheets are remaining strong and ultimately uh, I mean the reality is we do think that the Fed is gonna cut this year by uh, at least hundred basis points or so and that should help um, bring down um, uh, bond yields we're looking for the 10 year to end the year at three and a half percent yes near term we're looking for more of a trading range of 375 to four and a quarter but we think uh, as you get in the back half of the year that yields will start to normalize and we still expect Inflation to remain on that disinflationary trend over the next six months. I mean, we think that you're start to see uh, the slowdown in, in rents, um, continued um, pullback in vehicle prices uh, should also help and improvement in supply chain should, should help. So when we get into the back up year, we're looking for you know inflation to come down to about two and a half percent.
0: All right. Given that backdrop here. <clears throat> What do I do with my tech trade? You know, I've been long the Magnificent Seven, (laughs) leverage long position, uh, and and like Nvidia up another forty five percent this year. Do I just kind of ride this tech wave here?
3: We think that you do. I mean, we remain positive on it. I mean, I I would say to to Tom, who might be still the triple leverage cash. (laughs) All cash. Yep. you know, to take out opportunities and take advantage of any pullback that you you might see in tech. You would be surprised to see a little bit of consolidation. But when we look out six months to a year from now, we think that this is a sector that's going to be higher. Uh, uh, we're looking for, you know, earnings growth within the sector to be in the high T's and it could even trend into the 20% range. And you'll also see in reality is recovery in some of the more core areas of Semi. We know that right. AI is, you know, the innovation story, but you're seeing some recovery in some other areas. And so we do think that there's some more upside uh, to tech.
2: Nadia, thank you. Nadia Lovell, hydrated at UBS. We appreciate your effort this morning.
0: Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio.
4: Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you.
2: Blake Gwin joins now, RBC Capital Markets on Apple CarPlay and on YouTube, Bloomberg uh, Podcast. Blake, let me go right there. The real yield out to 2%. What does that signify to the Federal Reserve?
5: Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, this is part of why we had been talking about cuts to begin with is really that they're looking at these real yields. They don't want a passive tightening uh, in real yields as inflation continues to fall. Um, you know, even if they kind of stay at that same rate, it just keeps getting tighter and tighter. So, I, I think part of the reason we, at least we've been calling for for cuts for quite some time, is um, you know, not not that we needed, we felt the Fed needed to get easier, more accommodated, but just because those real yields they do nothing to the nominal target are, are just going to be getting tighter and tighter. So, um, certainly something I think that Fed's focused on um, those real yields, and that's part of the right. wins uh which they're looking at to 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 deliver these cuts well i got
2: to go to theory and paul wants to jump in some with some market moving questions uh s p futures plunging negative 58 the dow futures down 320 uh points and nasdaq on a percentage basis down 1.5 (laughs) percent the markets uh, move you mentioned a passive restriction are we now restrictive because the market's saying so or are we now restrictive because the fed's dawdling around (laughs)
5: Well, well, this is a real question about what's restricted here, because I mean, I think part of what you're seeing over the last month is a little bit of doubt creeping into the, you know, to the Fed that, that they are actually as restrictive as they thought. I mean, how can you argue? Uh, we, You know, we've been above what most people would have ex ante considered a neutral rate. We've been above that for for a year now, and um, we're still seeing data <coughs> this strong. You know, it gets harder and harder to argue that you're well into restrictive if, if you know, the economic conditions just aren't necessarily suggesting that.
0: So Blake, are you in the camp that says uh, May is a period where the Fed should cut rates? And if so, do you think they will?
5: No, we we've actually very uh, for for a very long time we've been uh, in the June camp. So ah, you know, okay. this goes back to this goes back to June and July uh, last year. We have the same Fed call. We've kept it all the way through. <laughs> we've been very steady. Uh, we we see a June first cut. Uh, we have four cuts after that. So it, a cumulative uh, five cuts for twenty twenty four. Um, I'll tell you, this data today, NFP on Friday, it it makes me feel more confident about the June part of that equation. I I think this really brings into question whether they're going to have to do anything in May or whether they are going to do anything in May. Uh, You know, those are two separate questions, what they will do and what they should do. Um, You know, I I think June certainly looks like the starting point where I'm starting to get a little bit worried about that call. Like I said, we've had it for a very long time. But, um, you know, the five cuts is where I'm starting to get a little bit more concerned because I I think – you know the inflation data uh, alone and this kind of passive tightening we're talking about in real rates i think that's enough on its own for the fed to start cutting but without any kind of signs of weakness or slowing on the growth or the labor side of the mandate um you know where's the urgency i i, I think yep. you know now you start talking about a scenario where yeah sure you start cutting in june but um you know are they going to go five times or are they going to take rates all the way back to you know we have them going to 350 in in uh, 2025 that's the piece of it that I think starts to, to really get called into question here is how aggressively they go and, and where do they end up stopping?
0: So, Blake, there are a lot of folks out there, both on the academic front and in the markets, uh, practitioners that say the Fed's already behind. Look at the data. They should be cutting now. What do
5: you say to those folks? Uh, what data are they looking at? <laughs> I mean, you know, we had a great NFP report. Uh, you know, we we, we, ha- we, we had a, a, a pretty solid cpi report um you know i i just think that um you know this idea that that things that cracks are showing that we're you know we're in problematic territory i think a lot of times people tend to look at uh the delta they look at the changes uh, of how uh, the day is changing but when you look at the level of where we're actually at i I mean across most metrics we're still in in a very uh healthy economic scenario so um i think going more slowly making sure uh, you know, the Fed just really wants to make sure well, that, that inflation dragon is really slayed. So, I
2: Blake, yeah. Wayne, expand on problematic territory. What in God's name is it? Was that in infobose? I don't remember that. Blake, expand on what problematic territory means.
5: Well, in what respects? For for uh, 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 the data
2: or. I'm asking. I got an inflation report. I mean, it's been up, up and away. This is what's called a mini correction. Futures down 57. I get it. The VIX, 14.5. Forget about the stock market. Chit chat. Is this inflation report problematic for Jerome Powell?
5: Oh, I, I, uh, you know, I really don't think so. I mean, I think it certainly raises an eyebrow. I think the overall trend, you know, you guys were saying before you came over to me, I mean, I think the overall trend is still positive. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything necessarily here that they're worried about a reacceleration. I think, you know, we've gotten some decent proof, um, you know, over the last six months a year that a lot of the inflationary pressure we were seeing, you know, whether it was supply side, whether it was demand side that I, I care a little bit less about those specifics, but looking at, at a whole, I think we can say that a lot of it was absolutely pandemic related. Um, you know, like I said, that could be supply side, um, you know, with, with supply chain shutting down, it could be demand side with. You know changes in the way people are consuming services goods etc but either way a lot of that seems to be pandemic related seems to be idiosyncratic and it has come off so i think this kind of you know the idea that we would kick off some kind of wage price spiral or that we were in some kind of new inflationary process i i, I think that window has mostly closed i mean certainly the fed doesn't want inflation ticking back up but i i think you know they're not looking at each individual print and um you know overreacting too right. much and i think the overall trend The overall trend here is still positive for the Fed. I mean, they're not going to look at a minor beat today and and start, you know, raising alarm bells. I mean, I think, um, you know, overall, they're very happy with where we're where we've gone.
0: So, Blake, we've got the 10 year treasury up uh, 10 basis points here, 4.28 percent. Where do you think this is 10 years going to be at year end?
5: So um, right now we have it at 380, um, you know, so we we do have that moving lower. I think, uh, you know, again, that was premised on this idea that they start cutting in June. They. They. you know, cut at a, I'd say, a relatively, you know, moderate pace, going once per meeting. Um, but, you know, that that is that is the part where I feel a little bit less comfortable about. And, that, and now I'm starting to wonder, you know, we right. have twos at, uh, you know, we have twos at 395. So we've taken out uh, of our forecast just last week. We took out some of the kind of steepening that we had, that that bull steepening that you tend to get on the start of a cutting cycle. Um, right. You know, if, if the data is this strong and the Fed goes on, you know, if, if the markets are thinking about the possibility of an every other meeting type of pace or they're thinking about the Fed cutting to a terminal rate of, you know, 375 or 4% instead of 350, um, you know, those front end yields are are, are not going to rally mm-hmm. in the way that, that we've been calling for. So we, we kind of have taken out okay. some of that curve flattening and, and two is not rallying as much. So that's gotta, really where we're seeing some I of I'm got
2: to leave it there. Blake Gwynn, thank you so much. Dan Ives promised me the market would never go down again. He was wrong. (laughs) Joining us now from Wedbush. Of course, ubiquitous with a bullish call on technology. We're going to focus this entire next eight minutes, six minutes with Dan Ives on Apple. Dan Ives, why is Apple lagged the others?
6: Because iPhone growth has lagged, right? I mean, this is something we've seen in China. The upgrade cycles have, I think, been better than many had feared, but it's not been iPod. And I think this is the start, we've talked about, of the renaissance of growth that's going to happen over the next 12 to 18 months, where we believe Apple significantly outperforms even the rest of tech.
2: Is is your reporting, Dan Ives, that the new iPhone that Paul Sweeney has to buy, what, for Paul for your family? Um, yeah, absolutely. Is a new iPhone <laughs> an up upgrade or is it just another iteration of the one I got in my hands?
6: Look, I think in terms of iPhone fifteen, that's obviously just been an upgrade that's been strong from a technology around camera and, and speed. But the big one's iPhone 16. I mean, we've talked about it yesterday. Our checks are shown from a memory perspective. This is going to have AI technology built into the phone. I think what it's does the that start mean? of a stop, game. Dance stop. Game.
2: Dan, Dan, stop. Yeah. What in God's name did you just say? What is AI technology in Paul Sweeney's phone?
6: So they're going to have essentially their own LLMs, their own language models built into the actual iPhone. So that that's going to be for consumers to do all types of apps that they could actually launch technology around animation what I from a fitness perspective it's oh, gonna here we create, go fitness card you know it's gonna create a whole nother ecosystem for Apple which we believe starts with the AI App Store that so, you are going to talk about at WWDC in June.
2: As an example, Paul, you can type in on your iPhone 16, should I spend $3,900 to see Louisville <laughs> lose to Duke? Exactly. And you'll or get buy by the report. screen
0: Vision Pro. Yeah, or buy okay. by, by the Vision Pro. Hey, Dan, we've got um, you know Apple, obviously a $2.9 trillion market cap stock. It's down about 3% year to date, and I would argue that I guess the investor concerns out there, if you could just underline one, it would be China. Uh, Give us your latest sense of China in terms of an end market, ultimate demand for Apple products going forward. What's your view?
6: Yeah, look, I'm not saying it's roses and champagne. But from a Lunar New Year perspective, we believe it's up year over year. And I think they're going to be able to actually return to growth in China, despite the Huawei, despite geopolitical, because you have 210 million iPhones in China. And there have been share gains. So so my view here is right now, the New York City cab driver could be bearish in Apple. It's relative to broader tech, as we expect, you know, tech continue to move higher. But when we look at Apple, 2.2 billion. That's the active devices. Now, AI is coming to the party in Cupertino. And we think a year from now, we're at a $4 trillion market cap.
0: Hey, Dan, I'm uh, just looking at the FA function on the Bloomberg terminal, which has consensus revenue estimates for Apple over the next several years. Kind of, let's just call it mid-single digits. Uh, yet I'm paying a, a 28 multiple for those for that type of revenue growth. Um, h- how do you kind of square that? Is that something you have to convince your investor clients to, to kind of deal with?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to how what we do with Microsoft or NVIDIA. For Amazon, it's really showing that the services piece, that high growth, the multiple for that. And Key and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, 1.5 to 1.6 trillion, and that's that's the monetization. Why Cook and Company? You know, right. there, there's a Mount Rushmore with Tim Cook and Nadella, but did, the But it's Microsoft. Then. If
2: these guys are, you know, fanboys, I mean, if 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 the CFO and the CEO are fanboys like Dan Ives. And they're looking at Apple behind over X number of months or whatever. Do you see them doing strategic decisions like a new bond offering, an enhanced share buyback? Sweeney wants a dividend (laughs) increase. What are they going to do with the use of the mother of all cash they've got, given that Apple's lagged?
6: Well, I think it's getting to a point they're going to have to do potentially some accelerated buyback or if they don't do M&A which has never been the sort of the DNA, obviously, Cupertino. They're going to have to do some capital allocation changes. And and look, and that's why it goes back to when I look at Apple from some of the parts, there's so much more that could go right than wrong, especially what's factored into the stock. And I think AI starts with the godfather of AI, Jensen, NVIDIA, and Microsoft. But it doesn't end there. The consumer piece is going to be 24 and 25, and Apple's going to be front and center.
0: Dan, you mentioned the developer conference in, in June uh, for Apple. And oftentimes in the past, that's been a big, big catalyst for the company, for the stock. Give us a little preview of what we might see from uh, our friends at Apple.
6: Look, and, and, and I'm sure Germer will talk about this as well. I think it's where they start to introduce generative AI from a developer perspective. I think it starts with an, an AI app store. That's, that's going to be the first piece and then that's gonna lead into an iPhone 16 that includes generative AI exclusive to Apple ecosystem. And it, it starts that monetization, and I think even a further re-rating to where I see that renaissance of I, growth over the coming- Okay,
2: you're wired in this, Dan. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think this is critical. I get an iPhone 16 in eight months. June, you said so Labor Day, you get a new phone. Yeah. What am I gonna a i e i e i o do? What am I actually going to do in AI on my iPhone? So you,
6: I'll give you like an example. So uh, you have a picture that that you've taken on your iPhone 16. You now could actually superimpose you, Paul, at a at a Duke game, okay? (laughs) And then basically take that picture, and it actually looks from an animation perspective that you're actually in the picture and you can actually create movies from that. Yeah. Those are examples of just a, a little tip of the iceberg in terms of the examples of what consumers, and I think Vision Pro, you're seeing some right. remnants of that, but that's what you're gonna essentially be able to do in the iPhone in the coming years.
2: Okay, we're gonna to have to leave it there. Dan Ives, thank you for the briefing. We focused there of the entirety on Apple. That was a real luxury. He's got a lot of other capabilities.
4: provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
5: Steeple Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC
2: and NYSE. Today's from Page Headlines. Lisa came in, she was going to do an all-Taylor newspapers thing. I said, no, I'm I'm done with Taylor. Start with something different, please, what do you got?
1: We will. We'll start with John Stewart. He returned last night, host of The the Daily Show. You know, he's going to be on every Monday. So he returned, it was classic John Stewart style, right? He first answered the question on everyone's minds. Listen up.
6: Why am I back? Uh, You may be asking yourselves. It's a very reasonable question. Uh, I have committed a lot of crimes. (laughs) From what I understand, talk show hosts are granted immunity, so it doesn't matter.
1: There you go. So he kicked off the season. He did that show's signature franchise, Indecision Election Coverage. He talked about, yes, Taylor Swift, the Super Bowl, conspiracy theory surrounding it. Right. But he's just, he's back in full force. I'm curious to see <clears> how the, the, the ratings. Paul, help me nowadays. here. Yeah.
2: Did you just say he's on only one day a week? Mondays. Yeah. Paul, I don't get this. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the wonderful uh, Rachel Maddow's doing the same thing and yeah. many others out there. How do you build a franchise if you're as inept as I am? You can't do it one day a week.
0: I think he's already got the franchise. This is throwing a bone um, into the network and saying, hey, we'd love to have you as much as we can get you. I'll give you one day a week. Um, And we'll do it through the election. So that's his gig. He's going to do it through the election. So it's not a long-term thing. It's just a play. I don't. And I'll tell you, TV is so desperate for... Any relevance, broadcast linear television is you know, so desperate for relevance. Which that, networks,
1: yeah. He had. And, they, and they haven't had much. He tried to get something with Apple TV going. That, 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 Apple, Apple But Plus. I'll tell you, his it's show, I,
0: I listened to the yeah. I watched the show this morning. It's yeah. the exact same as it was, the which, it, which yeah. is exactly right. what you want, I think.
1: But it's what brought it to that success in the right. first place. Right. So, so I anyway, mean, he's back I mean, for a okay. little yeah, bit. Next. Back. All right, who do we got? Tiger Woods. Yes, we talked about. It. Michael Barr mentioned this. He's moving on from a split with Nike, launching a new apparel line. Now, Paul, you're the golf guy, so he's yep. going with TaylorMade Golf. Right, there, right. Sunday Red. That's what it's called, because yep. you know he wears the red, uh, you know, on Sundays uh, for the final round of tournaments. But it's like an ongoing relationship. He joined them back with the brand in 2017. Like they started this, you know, partnership. He's already playing with their golf clubs. Yep. Um. So it seems to be a good partnership. That's what they're saying. That they're going to make decisions together. Like yeah. it's been- you know, are you a TaylorMade? Fan? I use
0: TaylorMade woods. You I do. use okay. Callaway irons. Uh, TaylorMade's a great brand, but it's no Nike. I, oh. I was surprised to see the Nike uh, Tiger Woods split on both sides. Um, <clears throat> so I guess this is just a question of. I don't know who's got equity ownership and does he have you know more say over what's going to be done here and and you know right. Nike had backed mm-hmm. away from golf a little okay.
2: bit I, I think of the great Miller Barber who just kept going i mean you know you went the senior course and just kept going and going is Tiger Woods now a senior uh
0: not quite a couple years away but uh he's still still by far the number one driver of anything. Golf. So he's
2: still on the circuit, even with his terrible. Injuries. Yeah, he's playing this week, for
0: example, out in Los Angeles because okay. he's the sponsor of this week's tournament.
2: I got, I got thirty seconds, Paul. <laughs> the drunk kids on the golf course uh, got, out just, in just went over the edge. I mean, over the, the edge,
0: just, just over the edge, and it's out there in Arizona. It's a great tournament, waste it's a great week. tournament. The waste it, it is, yeah. and it's a big party, and it, and they just went over the edge. Over the line they this gotta, year, they're gonna pull it back. A they little gotta, bit gotta next
2: pull year. it back right away. One final oh. story there, Lisa Mateo. Please.
1: Taylor Swift, got it. Uh, there you go.
2: Oh, <laughs> come on, it. Bob. And do it. For Discipline you. her.
1: Okay, here's the thing. They put a price tag on her airtime during the Super Bowl. She was on for 53 seconds. Okay, so if of you, a four-hour broadcast. A four- so if you if you factor in the cost <laughs> of a 30-second commercial, right, seven million dollars. That airtime was worth 12.4 million dollars That's yeah and so
0: for the people that are complaining that she gets too much airtime, it was 54 seconds in a three and a half or four hour broadcast yeah. lighting yeah. up
1: <laughs> so And it was great heck? for
0: cbs they're happy because it brought in more viewers record viewership everybody's I, happy yeah,
2: even she attended I,
1: the game for free
2: <laughs> can i can i just say there is a videotape out there on youtube thank you for watching on youtube bloomberg podcasts And one night at a place called the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, and this happens all the time. One night, Steve Tyler from Aerosmith came out of the audience. This blonde comes out of the audience and picks up a guitar. And she sat on a stool without any of the modern hot air, and she blew the room away. Just the chops, just the ability. I think all of that has been obscured by... All this, who's she seeing? Travis She's seeing Joe Montana. (laughs) Travis, whatever. Yep. Go look at the Bloomberg Cafe video of Taylor Swift with a guitar in her hands and nothing else. And it's, uh, I'll say that it is just beyond impressive. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast, bringing you the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern from our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. And always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App.